0: This is Toastcaster, your communication, leadership, and learning lab with your host, Greg Gazin. Episode 132, How Isolation in Space Translates to Life on Earth Today, with our guest, Dr. Shauna Pandya. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of Toastcaster, your communication, leadership, and learning lab. This is Greg Gazin. On the line today from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, we have a special guest. Dr. Shauna Pandya is a scientist astronaut candidate with Project Possum, physician, aquanaut, speaker, martial artist, advanced diver, skydiver, and pilot in training, VP immersive medicine with Luxonic Technologies, and fellow of the Explorers Club. She holds degrees in neuroscience, space studies, entrepreneurship, and medicine, and is currently completing a fellowship in wilderness medicine at the Academy of Wilderness Medicine. She also serves as a part-time sessional lecturer with the University of Alberta's Technology and the Future of Medicine course, and previously coordinated a Space 101 course for the U of A in conjunction with the Edmonton Lifelong Learning Association. If that's not enough, she also holds a second-degree black belt in Taekwondo, And she's also won her first amateur Muay Thai fight in Thailand. She's currently working towards her private pilot's license. She also sings, plays the piano, fluent in a number of languages, including English, French, and Gujarati, a dialect of Hindi. She dabbles in Russian and Spanish and has recently started learning Hindi. Dr. Pandya's bio is a full three pages long, but one thing I do want to mention is that she was part of the first crew to test a commercial spacesuit in zero gravity. Dr. Shana Pandya, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It is my pleasure to be here.
0: Incredible bio. First of all, thank you for taking the time to speak with me. Incidentally I, I met Shauna in her teenage years as she visited a Toastmasters club. Her parents, Atisha Indira, were fellow members of an advanced club that I was I was visiting, and that was that was a little while ago. Originally I connected with you as you were originally scheduled or slated to be the keynote at an upcoming Toastmasters conference, which sadly has been postponed. Although I thought since we're connecting virtually, probably be a good opportunity to have you on the show.
1: Yeah. You know, um, in times like these, the physical spaces that in which we existed may be diminishing, but I think that's just an opportunity to make use of the virtual world.
0: Absolutely. And you have a, quite an eclectic mix of talents and professions. We will get to some of those, but with the current global pandemic, I know you've been busy, you've had extended clinical hours. What are things looking like for you right now? And, and what's your take on the current situation?
1: Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, how much time do we have? In, in a nutshell, um, life is still very busy, but in, in very, very different in, in ways that I never um, would have foreseen if you'd asked me what 2020 would bring. And I don't think any of us would have foreseen. Um, and it's so humbling that something so small and so ubiquitous that we don't think about like a virus has brought humanity and society to a standstill. Um, and as you mentioned during my intro, my, my day job is as that of a physician. My life is all COVID all the time right now. Everything has changed. So as you may have gleaned from all the other things I do, um, there's a lot of travel involved. I was essentially traveling once a week until June uh, on top of clinical practice. My entire travel schedule has changed, but it means that in terms of the virtual world, um, I'm involved with online teaching, webinars, a health task force to help disseminate trusted information about COVID, um, looking at how I can implement best practices at the clinic I work in. So life is still busy, but for very, very different reasons. And there were a lot of things I had on my 2020 bingo card, but global pandemic was not one of them.
0: First of all, I have to thank you for helping us keep the world safe. It's, it's amazing. Again, when we had spoken earlier, I had was looking at your bio, I looked at your website, and I saw all the different things that you do. And I said, well, what is it you do during the day? You refer to yourself as having a personality or a persona of a Of Batman and Bruce Wayne. So tell us a little bit about that and that perspective.
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, My life is, is, as you say, a Batman Bruce Wayne scenario. So by day, um, I practice medicine full time. I'm a general practitioner and I also cover rural ER. So I'm actually out in the periphery in a rural community this week. By night, I do all the space stuff. So that includes teaching a course in operational space medicine, being a citizen scientist astronaut candidate with Project Possum. Um, So that involves doing really cool things like testing spacesuits in zero gravity, testing spacesuits in spacecraft crash landing scenarios. So it it all ends up being uh, very, very jam-packed in terms of scheduling, but it's a lot of fun. And I absolutely love every minute of what I do.
0: With all that you've done, whenever you hear the word space, you start thinking of Star Trek and all these other incredible things. What's been, you've done so many things. What's been your biggest wow moment?
1: Oh, gosh. I think it was actually, I was um, at the Canadian Space Agency. They were holding um, a space medicine and health forum uh, in November of 2019. So just a few months ago. And um, it was there that I'd just been asked to join um, Luxonic, the company I developed in VR for medical education with. And so I was talking to the CEO and we just kind of had this surreal moment where we said, It's one of the coolest feelings in the world to realize that all these crazy pie in the sky, big dreams you had as a a kid and and you can have multiple dreams being an astronaut, being a physician, being an explorer, being, uh, you know, an entrepreneur who does good for the world. That it's one of the craziest but coolest feelings in the world to take that step back and realize that all of these dreams, if you plan and you execute and you work really, really hard, can actually come to fruition as multiple parallel tracks as an adult, it's extremely gratifying to realize that. So I think that was my aha moment.
0: Living out your childhood dreams. I'm, I'm wondering how many of us actually do that. You said you had it all planned out. You talked about having parallel tracks. That's, that's really interesting.
1: Yes. I think what I mean by that is, you know, when you're a kid, you say, I want to be an astronaut or I want to be a doctor. I want to do this. I want to save the world. It's one thing to have dreams Um, But the way to turn that into, you know, reality is to to have an objective um, and then a concrete action plan. So essentially, transforming that dream into a goal. I think one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was to always keep an eye out for opportunity. That's something I did all all along. You know, I'd look out for opportunities to get involved in space. I would look out for opportunities to become involved in space medicine. Um, I would look for opportunities to to share this this love of space and space medicine with others. I think that was really instrumental, having a plan, having objectives, you know, having concrete, actionable steps to help me along the way.
0: I'm sure there might have been a few bumps along the way. We were talking a little bit offline about how the recent SpaceX mission, despite all the plans and the millions of dollars that went into it, when it hit zero, it actually got aborted. I, I can't recall what the reason was. But I know that the time had already gone down to zero and it aborted.
1: Yeah, it's critical decision making like that. I have to give props to the flight director or the mission director uh, who made that decision. Because one of the most important things, one of the most critical skills to learn both in the space world and both in the medicine world where you're dealing with high risk, high reward is to have that discipline to make tough decisions. And it's one thing to know to make a tough decision, but it's the other thing, to, it's another thing to follow through on that. And so, um, judgment, reasoning, critical thinking, critical decision making, these are all skills that we're all con- continually developing in our adult lives, even as we're growing up. I would say that SpaceX example is absolutely a perfect example of that. In everyday life, we all encounter these types of decisions all the time. So I just finished a two-week simulation. So I call it Real Life on Fake Mars. I was at the Mars Desert Research Station in the Utah desert at the end of January. So I was actually, I was just writing a contemplative piece about this over the weekend, but I was on Mars when the pandemic on Earth broke. (laughs) You know, how, how I've integrated into Earth, that is in a completely different conversation. There's one instance that I just wanted to share that illustrates this critical decision making and the discipline to stick to our decisions perfectly, because I was the commander on that mission. And then, um, we gave our crew opportunities to, to build and display leadership. And so when we would do our EVAs or extravehicular activities, so anytime we would go outside the habitat, this Martian habitat, we'd have to suit up to protect ourselves from the environment. And so I was leading a particular EVA and, um, we had set out parameters for when we were to turn back so we would meet our, our safety cutoffs to return back to the base. And we also had our, our science objectives and our exploration objectives on that particular EVA. At one point, we're nearing very close to our turnaround time, but we were just so close to making one of our last objectives. And I thought, okay, we have a three-minute buffer. And I said to um, my teammate, we, we have a couple of minutes. We can go ahead and achieve this objective. And, you know, it was actually my teammate who stepped up and had the, the discipline to say, I know we want to get all our objectives done, but we're actually close to our, our drop dead or a cutoff time. That was an example of which, you know, I knew the decision that needed to be made, but was very close to forgetting the discipline needed to enact that decision. It doesn't have to be a rocket launch, but reminding ourselves that decisions are around us at every point in every aspect of life, whether we're on Mars or on Earth we have the opportunity to enforce our, our decision-making um, in everyday life.
0: That's a great way of putting it into perspective. I, I didn't mean to laugh at you. I was laughing with you when you said you were, other people were on earth and you were on Mars. It was just, <laughs> it was reminding me of the TV series, Life on Mars. So again, my, I was out there in space somewhere.
1: <laughs> it, it still spend a lot of time reflecting on how 2020 has unfolded. It's gone from commanding a mission on a quote-unquote whole different planet and just, you know, being in total isolation and watching the news from Earth roll in um, when your daily comms or communication windows open so you can communicate your mission updates to mission control back on Earth. And, you know, that's when, that's when we first heard of this novel coronavirus. And to see how life has changed since then it's it's very, like I said before, it's very humbling, but there's so many lessons learned from the space world, really, that I think um, make a lot of sense when it comes to dealing with the current global situation.
0: As you were speaking, I was actually picturing you on Mars, watching or listening or having the communication coming in from Earth. So when you're on Mars, you basically, in a Total isolation, like are you in, a, in an area where you're basically cut off from everything?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, on this this Mars simulation, we try to um, reenact, um, really play into the simulation as much as possible to really get into this survival and resourcefulness mindset, this type of astronaut mentality, which I think the lessons learned there on Mars, you know, really... Come into play for building character and resilience in everyday life, and particularly in times of, of crisis and times of where, where mental fortitude is needed, like dealing with a global pandemic, um, and even dealing in, in everyday situations with teams and coworkers. So, coming back to your question, you know, what was the isolation like? It was geographic and it was technological isolation. When you're on Mars, your one way delay with communication with earth it's not like when you're on the international space station where you're close enough i'm making air quotes because you're still not very close but you're close enough they have (laughs) instant communication with earth up on the international space station and now with distances in space being as gargantuan as they are by the time you get to the moon it's a three second um, delay in communications and by the time you get to mars depending on the alignment of Or the Earth and Mars, it's four minutes to twenty minutes one way. So, if you can imagine at the highest opposition between Mars and the Earth, you wouldn't be dealing with a forty-eight minute round trip communication delay. Um, So there was no, there's no instant messaging, there's no phone calls home, there's no quick chats. Really, any updates come to you via email. And so it was really good preparation for knowing how to deal with social isolation.
0: Well, it's funny how we complain about latency in terms of milliseconds and you're talking about minutes, mega minutes.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Could you share with us a time perhaps we're talking about we talked about leadership, we talked about decision making, we talked about teamwork. Could you share with us a time where, during perhaps one of your missions, that you had some mission critical communication that had to be had, and there was some challenges, perhaps that may have occurred?
1: Yeah, for sure. the The issue is there's multiple issues with being able to communicate critically and how you communicate, um, and so you have to you have to make a decision. And I've been on, on multiple what we call analog missions, where you're, you're in isolation, you're simulating being in a space environment. And there, there's multiple ways to look at how you communicate. Is it, do you designate one person, like the commander to communicate? Do you trust your team to know what the mission objectives are and convey those to mission control? Um, you know, what needs to be communicated to the team? What needs to be communicated to other team leaders? And so there were, there were lots of examples of that to give you a specific example, we started off my my most recent Mars mission in a state of emergency um, because the solar panels that charged the station had stopped charging, which isn't a problem because you always, always, always want to have a redundancy um, when you're in this type of austere environment. So we had a backup generator. But for the first time in the station's history, for the first few days of the mission, the generator went out. We essentially started the mission in a state of emergency. We're down to skeleton operations. We had all these plans and objectives for our mission, but really we were, we were doing everything we could to maintain the system operations. And so for the first day, we still had electricity um, because our generator, or story, our, our charge on our solar panels uh, was still present. But then after that, we had to make the call that we couldn't, we, we were incapable of even submitting our mission updates to Earth because we had no internet. And so the lesson there is you really have to be flexible and adapt to the situation. The old boxing thing goes, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. And it's no different with being in an austere or isolated and confined environment. You can have all the plans you want, but you also have to realize that your environment is continually changing um, and you have to be flexible and adaptable.
0: Well, sage advice from the good doctor. (laughs) Well Shana as our time has as our time slowly comes to a close I know you need to get back to save the world one thing I was wondering is perhaps with the experience that you've had in isolation and some of these missions that you've had a number of us are finding ourselves in isolation maybe we're at home with family we might be home by ourselves what do you think we can learn from isolation in space that might help us get through The isolation down here on Earth?
1: Yeah, that's such a great question. And really, there's so many parallels in um, what we learn in these ice or isolated and confined environments and how it can help us in dealing with times that call for resilience, for example, a global pandemic. And so, you know, there's been uh, Chris Hadfield just put out a great two minute video. um, And then Peggy Whitson and Anne McLean, the, the NASA astronauts, um, they've also put out some good pieces of advice. And so basically, what keys, what we've learned from space, when you're living in a confined environment, you're in a tin can flying through space, and you, you have to get along because um, you don't want to be the one that's voted off the space station, that would be bad. What we've learned is um, key aspects of expeditionary behavior. And some of these might sound familiar for those of us who work in corporate organization and leadership who are in that space as well. And so the lessons come down to being able to communicate clearly as to what your needs are and what your wants are, um, being a good team team member. By that, we mean not just being a good leader, but also being a good follower and being mission oriented Checking in with your own health, checking in with your team health, as well as focusing on group living. And so um, if for those people who might be at home in self-quarantine in closer quarters with their family than they've been in a long time and not necessarily by choice, um, a lot of these things may, should sound familiar. Um, you know, focus on the bigger picture. And what is our bigger picture now? It's to prevent the spread of a very um, virulent and disruptive and destructive pandemic. How do we bring that home? We we look at our own health. We own practice self care. We look at the health of the group. So in that in you know the case of a family living at home, it's the health of the family. How is everyone doing being in close quarters, living together as a small group um, in terms of group living? How do we maximize our positive interactions while minimizing? our negative interactions, the things that drive each other crazy. Mm-hmm. From my own lessons learned, you know, emphasize the positive, be grateful, express gratitude for even the smallest things, be organized, have a plan, be prepared to adapt to that plan. And then also just make time for the fun stuff, the social stuff, because that's how we create bonds. That's how we forge strong bonds that really Endure. So, you know, there's. I could talk about this for hours, but the bottom line is, you know, there's a lot of lessons from space that translate to our current world situation, and it comes down to viewing ourselves as part of parts of the same team, focusing on the mission objectives, and uh, checking in with how we're doing in our role in all of this.
0: Very sage and timely advice. If folks would like to find out a little bit about you or find a way of reaching you, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: They can find me online at shawnapandia.com, S-H-A-W-N-A-P-A-N-D-Y-A. And I'm also on social media on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So at shawnapandia on Instagram and Twitter. And my public page on Facebook is Dr. Shauna Pandia.
0: Dr. Shauna Pandia, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure and an honor.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Greg. That was fun.
0: Once again, this is Greg Gazin. We appreciate you tuning in. Now, I'm not sure how you joined us, whether you joined us through directly through Toastcaster.com or iTunes, but either way, you can pick up the podcasts there. If you really enjoyed the podcast, we'd really appreciate if you took a moment to leave us some feedback on iTunes because it really helps with our ratings plus also feel free to drop us a line tell us what types of things you're interested in what your toastmaster specialty is or what kinds of things you like to speak about and perhaps maybe we'll even have you on the show this is greg gazin till the next time this episode was sponsored by cory outsmarts the butterflies a new book by greg gazin geared to ages 8 to 80 whether you want to improve your speaking skills or build your confidence This short read is suitable for all ages. It's available at outsmartingthebutterflies.com.